Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano. We've got a very special episode. Alex Miller taking a look back at the semi-finals. Prelim previews are getting to the very, very pointy end here. Only one leak away from the granny. Four teams remain. It's very, very exciting. Um, some people will be on their way up to Queensland as we speak, which is exciting for Blues fans and whatnot. Uh, but a massive couple of talking points and some big games to preview as always. Yes, it bloody feels like Alex Doherty. Uh, half my family's headed up to, to the Gabba this weekend. Uh, long-time listeners will know that I've been bloody surrounded by these Carlton supporters all my life, and this is about the first time I've actually seen them be happy watching the footy. <laughs> yeah, geez, it would have been a while, wouldn't it be, Kat, since, uh, <laughs> since Carlton have actually got anywhere close to a cup? Um, yeah, sad, sad that it's all going to come crashing down uh, this weekend, but that's, 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 that's later on in the episode. What I'm excited, Kat, is to hear Miller talk up Port Adelaide because he's been he's been sizzling it up all week since they got bundled out in straight sets. I've got a can of Bilsons here and I'm just ready to sort of tuck into that while you uh, go off, mate. Oh, dear, yes. That's going to be the highlight of this episode. But first and foremost, before we get to that, um, we'd just like to pay a quick tribute, boys, to um, the late, great Ron Barassi, one of the all-time legends, Miller, of the AFL um, sadly passed away last week um, before the prelim weekend. So uh, thoughts go out to, to his family, um, everyone who watched him play and had some sort of um, connection to the, the great man because truly um, I know we can probably never quite appreciate uh, what he was for footy, but uh, I know that there's those who were there back in the day when Ron was playing and coaching know that he is one of the all-time greats. Yeah, 100%, Kat. His impact on footy wasn't just on the field. And he... Um just really is a type of person from all the stories that he could just make anyone smile, was very genuine, down to earth, gave everyone a chance, opportunity, and just a all-around great human, which is more important than anything, I think, in life than sport. And um, he did a lot for the game, Doc, and just amazing to have him to be a part of the history of the AFL, and we're so lucky to have him in many respects. Yeah, look, it, it, it's a bit weird sort of trying to talk up Ron Brass because none of us really what, had the chance to watch him live or even see him as, as a coach live. You know, he, you know, he, when I was born back in 93, he was starting to coach the Swans and, you know, even as a little infant, I wouldn't have wouldn't have known <laughs> diddly squat about footy. But um, he, absolutely, everything, I think almost everything that's been said about Barassi uh, over this past week has been has been true about, you know, his, his legendary coaching prowess, you know, his penchant for wanting to use to use the handball and I think maybe sort of pioneered that sort of style in, yep. a, in a sense and that it's just sort of lived on up until now and also want to give a, a special shout out to the Neil family as well because we also yes. lost uh, Kevin the cowboy uh, the original cowboy cat um, <laughs> over the weekend um, you know he was part of that St Kilda Premiership team the 1966 team and um, a lot of people will think back oh you know Barry Breen had the uh, kick the winning point, but Cowboy Neil kicked five goals that day. And if it wasn't for him, you know, the Saints probably would still have no flags. Absolutely. One of the all-time legends of the Saints. So um, as Doc said, very well said, mate. Condolences out to the family, friends, everyone who um, who knew Cowboy. Um, one of the, the greats of, of that era. So um, very sad to lose a couple of legends over the weekend, but great to see that their memories are being remembered very, very well by the wider AFL community. Beautiful. Let's, let's get stuck into the semi-finals from the weekend. And Miller, we've been waiting basically all week to hear this. Sizzling because, it up, Kat. 
You have been talking about Port Adelaide. You have been talking about Ken Hinckley and what is going on with this club all week. We talked about it at length, Miller, when he signed his contract before the final series. There was always going to be that risk. And what do you know? Just like they predicted with the Oppenheimer, it's blown up in their faces. <laughs> I tell you what, Kat, it's um quite bizarre, really, for me with, with Port. I mean, they were at round twelve, they were ten and two, and we got to sort of later on in the year, and people still umming and are in questions about them. And even I just think that their overall finish of the season was very unconvincing, and it led into a finals campaign that I think hasn't really been talked about enough about how disappointing it was, Kat. I think that. I said it on Twitter and or X or Square Root or whatever it is nowadays is that <laughs> Port were way too focused on re-signing Ken and not focused at all on September. And they're in a really precarious position, in my opinion, Doc, where they've got – every time I hear people talk about Port, they say, oh, well, they've got some young talent through Butters and Rosie. And that's it. I mean, wh- where are these next group of players going to come from? Because they're in a bit of a spot, I think. I think if it wasn't for GWS's inaccuracy in front of goal in the second quarter, this probably would be getting blown up even more than it probably should be. Um, Because you're right, Miller. I feel like a lot of it has been sort of about Ken and whether or not signing him up was the right deal or not. You sort of look the other way, and I don't really really want to bring my side back into it again, but remember how they signed Luke Beveridge at the start of the year to try and avoid all that. it really is a, a, a lose-lose situation there. But I think from a Port Adelaide point of view, they, they they would have been pretty happy either way. I mean, they had that big winning streak mid, mid-year of the season. Um, and, yeah, you're right. They sort of tape it away a little bit, and it sort of goes back to players coming back underdone. I mean, I thought Dixon was underdone on Saturday night. Trent McKenzie looked like he was absolutely cooked. Jesse Hogan just had his absolute way with him and probably a few others that have been under the injury cloud as well uh, over the last month. And sort of just, I just really don't know what to what to expect out of Port anymore. The the thing that that gets me, Miller. So there was a there was a, I think I don't know if it's Koshi or if it's someone else from the club. I think it might have been the, the list boss. I'm not sure whoever it was today was talking um, on Adelaide Radio and said, you know, the reason they signed Ken before the finals is because they want um, players who they're looking at in the trade period to to want to come to the club and know who the coach is going to be, but. Mm. Um, when a guy like Ken Hinckley is playing these players who are clearly underdone and not fully fit, uh, why the hell would you want to go there? Yeah. Why the hell as a young player would you look at that and go, oh, blokes who are going out on one leg are going to be getting in this squad over me. Why the hell would I want to play for that coach? Yeah, it's a great point, Kat. And I think that's a bit of a cop-out from Koshi. I think that I don't know why you make a coaching decision like that, Cat, as well at that point of the season. I mean, that is a time to be, especially with the aspirations that Port said. Everyone said pre-season, if Ken doesn't make a prelim, he should be fired. And he hasn't. And instead, he's been rewarded with two years, which I don't understand. And I mean, to back it up, you boys know I said throughout the year on this show um, that I thought Port's win streak was very much still blasé because it's the same thing every year is that they go well during the season. Like, for example, boys, at round 12, they sat 10-2, and but they were eight points clear of third place Sydney. Um, Sydney, Melbourne, sorry. And they had a chance to lock in a top two spot and get a home final and they completely balls it up and had the ultimate consequence. But I don't know the talk about Boke, um, Doc, as well, wanting to step away to take longer time for him to consider, you know, what he wants to do. And I think that 
their recruitment. I mean, if Salva Radical is your headline, I mean they've got they've got to be writing some better ones than mine. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what's more ridiculous, Miller, the fact that uh, that Asava's the big name signing, or the fact that uh, uh, what's his name, Chris Scott, reckons uh, he's worth a first rounder. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to really. See what Port are trying to achieve. I mean, they've already done some delisting work. Bonner's already gone, Cat and Tickle and a few mm-hmm. others that people liked. I mean, Bonner was a bit of a fan favourite, I think, in terms of his work and effort, and Tickle was a young guy coming through. So I just would be interested to see what direction Port choose to go in more than anything. Yeah, I think Bonner might end up landing on a, on a list elsewhere. It was, it was a surprise. He was playing in the squad for, I thought, the better part of the year, but... Um, anyway, Ken and the list managers clearly think they know what they're doing. How do you rate their season out of 10, Cat? If you would say counting in finals as well. I think before before finals, I probably would have said an 8 or a 9. After finals, it's probably looking more like a 6. Yep. Maybe a 5. Um, I mean, look, it's, it's clear that this squad is contending, but it's not worth shit, Doc, if, if they can't <laughs> do anything in finals. Um, we've seen teams like the Dogs, Brisbane... Um, waste away opportunities in finals. Melbourne now two years in a row, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, it's all well and good getting there, but if you can't perform at the pointy end, you might as well not be there at all. Yeah, well, this this is the thing. I mean, they've been so, they've worked so hard to be in that position uh, all, all home and away season, regardless on you know how convincing the manner of the win is. Alex Miller, if you win games, you win games, and wins yep. matter in yep. any in any stage of the season. Where yeah, it, I'm dis. I'm more disappointed with their finals run here. I mean, Brisbane and Brisbane. I don't think that was ever, they were ever a real sh- chance of winning that anyway. Brisbane are an unbeatable force at the Gabba, but I guess the GWS side who are red hot and they sort of anticipated it coming, and then they just sort of just went back to the well with the same players who have tried to get them out of the hole time and time again, like like a Charlie Dixon, for example, who Why did was nothing. He playing, Doc? What, I don't. What? I don't know. It's. Yeah, this is this is what this is why I'm confused with coaches who just try to put all the chips down on players who are clearly not ready. I mean, another one I didn't think was was too flash was Xavier Dersma, who'd been sort of in and out of the yeah. team with injury anyway. You know, why yeah. are you sort of hedging your bets on on these sort of guys who are who have who have probably only played half the year, where there are players in the Sanford who've just toiled away and toiled away. They know the system. They should yeah. you should be hedging your bets on the fittest blokes available. I have three rules in finals or three guidelines, Cat. It's um, strong defense, kicking yep. straight, and never play anyone underdone. And yep. I got to see it firsthand back in 2013 when Richmond played Carlton and Ben Griffiths and Reese Conker played. Two guys who were absolutely cooked at the time. But I, I think it's bizarre, Cat. You had Finlayson sitting on the bench there who should have been activated at halftime. Ken waited all the way till. I'm pretty sure it's still the start of the fourth quarter for him to make any sort of impact. And, and um, the, game, the game's still in the balance at halftime exactly. as well. He can come in and make a change. There were four goals down, sure, but that's not unsurmountable in a half of footy. And when you, your key forward and your key defender are both playing on one leg, Finlayson's very capable of playing at either post. Spot How on, the yeah. hell does he not even start in this team? I yeah. don't understand. It, it, it bemissed me, Kat, uh, Doc, because, like, you could have brought on Finlayson and subbed off McKenzie, probably kept Lysat out there at least to compete and play Finlayson down back. But Ken said, no, I am not doing that. That's too sensible of an idea. It, it, well, it goes back to what I said at the start. I mean, GWS really should have been more accurate in front of goal in that second term, and mm. that just left the door open ajar, and that would have been the perfect time for Ken Hinckley 
to make yeah, some adjustments the to the side. To make adjustments side, pull the trigger on someone, whether it's life set. I, I would have I would have done life set at halftime, Miller. Get someone to run Briggsy off his feet um, yeah. a, a little bit more because life wasn't doing that. You get you get you get a Jeremy Finlayson in the ruck, and we've seen time and time again over the last two seasons, Miller. His work, particularly on ball, is quite unique to the point where a lot of rucks are trying to figure him out, and and it throws away the um the the entire system. Well, that's right. I think that. If you do something different, you're a chance. And the fact that Ken wasn't willing to. I mean, I, I've asked Cat Doc, but what would you rate, um, you know, Port season? Port season. Yeah. Look, I probably would have given an eight or nine for the home and away season, but for the finals, it's a flat one. They've <laughs> just not, fo- yeah. they've not, they've not fired a shot at all this final series. And, you know, I could, you know, maybe a slight cop out at Brisbane because Brisbane at Brisbane is a very, uh, intimidating prospect, but yeah, I guess against the Giants, who we all know are probably the form team in the comp right now, and they just again did nothing. Yeah, did did nothing is uh, generous. I think but, um, they they didn't show anything. I think, and they looked like they were absolutely <laughs> shitting themselves for most of the first half as well. Port, which I just don't understand that. I would just think this team would be better prepared to to take on finals. A lot of these guys have been there before. I know that they do have a lot of young guys in this team, but I, I just don't know. You know, I was I was happy to see a guy like Boak stand up. Miller, I thought, given his yeah. opportunity, he came to the team and, and did quite well. Horn Francis showed up nicely too. Good to see from a young kid. But um, Wines did not have much of an impact at all. Uh, Willie Rowley was was good. I thought three goals is, is a decent game. But Pal Pepper faded out. Lira Lear didn't really have an impact at all. Um, Mackenzie, we already mentioned before. Dixon playing on one leg. Um, uh, Lucky Lucky Jones, completely crap cat. Just none of the players that you wanted to see stand up when it counted. Miller um, did in this game. Butters was good both weeks, but um, he can't do it alone. Same thing with a guy like Houston and Horn Francis as well, who was good in this game. You need more players standing up, and they just did not. Yeah, and we addressed it last week as well, Cat. And we talked about we're worried about the smalls for Ports defensive-wise and Bedford. And Toby only kicked the one, I think, but his impact on the game was still really, really good. Um, So, look, credit to the Giants. They're elite. Um, They've got a massive game this week against the Pies. We'll get stuck into later. But Port, I mean, I'd give their season – I'd honestly give their season a four because they should have knocked down top two, really. I mean, they were sitting there all year. The balls up a home final and then the final series. I'm like, Doc, I'll give a negative zero if I could, <laughs> uh, but I will give them a one if I was to give them a number rating. It's just very disappointing. And it, they're very, very interested to see how we rate their seasons overall when we get to the season reviews because oh, I think yes. there's going to be some harsh words when we've got a longer time to talk about Port Adelaide. Um, other end of the straight set stock, Melbourne going out back to back straight sets. Oh. I tell you what, I, I found a new dislike for Simon Goodwin across um, probably the past two months or three months with the stupidity that he's been doing with this football team, Doc. Uh, forward line, absolutely atrocious. They deserve to go out. Um, how the hell are you kicking that many behinds across two weeks? Um, just absolute – they deserved it. They deserved to go out in straight sets. I'm saying it right now. But everyone who said they probably could have beaten Collingwood last week is delusional. You don't beat Collingwood. <laughs> Doing that shit. <laughs> oh Jesus! I mean, I, be- I, believe, I believe I believe 
I believe, Alex Miller, you said on Twitter or X or Square Root or, you know, the <laughs> piece of pie app, uh, it's, um, you know, who, who had the, you asked the question, who had the, who had the worst final series, Melbourne or Port Adelaide, and you sort of went went towards Port Adelaide, which I suspected you would have anyway. <laughs> I, reckon Melbourne's, I reckon Melbourne's in more trouble than, than, than Port yeah. are at the moment because Simon Goodwin, we know he's a premiership coach. Not sure how he's done it, but he's done it. But... <laughs> He's starting to to waste. He, he's in that Luke Beveridge category of wasting away such a great core of players. You know, mm. Gorn's not going to get any older. They're going to throw away uh, Brody Grundy for a pa- bag of chips next year. Um, you know, you've got Oliver, you've got Petrarca, you've got Viney, all still in the prime of their careers. Great ball move, great ball movers, great wingers in in Hunter and Langdon when they want to be. Um, good key defence there in in May Lever. You know, Tomlinson if he wants to play the third man, he can do that. Um, and the forward line, if they can get it all together, is pretty good. You know, Cozzy, Bailey Fritch, Van Royen we like. Uh, we also like the Jefferson Airship, the Starship, uh, whatever you want to call him. If he's stewing away in the VFL. Oh, he's been, he was good in the VFL this year, Cat. Very um, good. Yeah. He was a Jefferson very, Starship. Very good. Very, very good. So the pieces are all there. But this sort of kicking and this sort of game plan where they're trying to play slow and find the angles – it just it just does not work. It will not stack up in finals, and unless Goodwin is willing to change something or find a different tactic, they are going to be a one hit wonder. I wouldn't say that there was anything about looking to find the angles in these two games, Miller. Ninety percent of their forward entries were long bonds to the heads of, of no one. When yeah. you don't have the height down there, what the hell are you doing with that? It was a bit strange, Cat. I, I think. Melbourne is a team that they should have taken more risk in their play because they've got the elite players that can do it. Petrarca can get it done. Oliver can get it done. Um, Doc mentioned the wingers before. Both were good, except Ed Langdon shit himself. All final series was absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Um, but I, I, Twice I think, when they want to be, Miller. <laughs> that's very true, very true. I, I think they messed up, Cat, in the regard of not playing Petrarca forward enough. I mean, mm. he is a guy who generates offense create scoring opportunities, kicks goals himself. And particularly when they were starved of um, any sort of offensive options, they just weren't really to change it up. And yep. I, I think that the biggest mistake has been as well, Cat Grundy. Uh, I, I think yeah. what they've done with Brody Grundy is they've invested 700K in a VFL player and it um, it hasn't hasn't been right. And if you are going to invest that type of money, you damn well should make sure it's in the right places and it's obvious that it should have been a bloody forward. Absolutely. They, they didn't know what they wanted to do with him clearly all year long. and It didn't pay off. But on, on Petrarca as well, a great way to try and make a guy like Newman actually have to defend <laughs> and not just peel off and get bloody 11 marks in this game. you got someone like Track at ground level to worry about. You don't give a shit about Alex Neil Bullen in there. You don't... You know, you don't give a shit about Charlie Spargo, but if you see Christian Petrarca running at you at a million miles an hour, you're gonna you're gonna bloody how defend did, him. How did Spargo get back in this team, Doc? Oh god, oh, it's, it's a really good question, Miller, and I'm not sure how I can provide an answer there. Um, <laughs> but look, this is a this is this is the problem. You know, it's those role players that aren't standing up, and we saw Cosy play a little bit more forward on the weekend, and I, I just cannot understand why Simon Goodwin decided to play more midfield. Over the course of the year, you play him deep as a forward. He looks so much more dangerous and so much yeah. more likely to help kick a winning score. I mean, I know he kicked two, three, and so did Fritch. They, they combined for four, six. Uh, you know, going forward, that needs to be what's happening. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, Doc. Uh, I just think um, 
you know, the, the forward line is clearly the issue. The defenders are still good. Stephen May had a bloody good game. Lever, I thought the first half was really impactful. Um, but beyond that, it's it's just got to be. Midfield looks good. Backline looks good. Forward line's clearly got to be addressed. I do want to shout out um, quickly, boys. Joel Smith, um, he got given a real bad lot in, in this final series, Miller. But to kick four goals between those two games against really bloody good backlines, um, he, he did very, very well for himself. For a guy who's probably never going to be more than a role player, he can tip his hat and say, I went out there and gave it my bloody all. He, he was a late cat. He, he competed well in the contest, took some nice marks. Even in the Collingwood game, in a wet wet conditions, really competed well and can hold his head high, as you said, I think, through both final series. But the game itself, uh, I mean, really is bizarre, boys. Um, they Melbourne actually led the NCI 50 camp by one. Um, they led the clearances plus three. They dominated the hitters, which was good. But just the quality of their entries, I think, is something that really let them down. You mentioned it briefly before, Kat, and the way they just let Carlton move the ball so freely to the um, stale pasta that was the uh, bloody Melbourne sort of attack. Gee, just before their, you their go, just before bloody hell. Just, uh, just before you go, Kat, 26 scoring shots to 18 in favour of Melbourne is, is the most damning stat of the lot. And realistically, I can't... I don't understand how they how they bottled this. I, I really cannot. You look at that kick Clayton Oliver had, and it was stopped on the line by his captain. You know that, that it's <laughs> if that oh, does not if that does if that does not scream out what a dysfunctional mess this football club is at the moment. I I, I don't know what is, and, and, and I, I just want to ask I just want to ask you as well, Cat. What the hell is good is Goodwin thinking with Josh Shackey? First of all, having him as as the sub. And then secondly, not bothering him to play him. <laughs> that is a dead set sackable offence if I've <laughs> ever seen one. I'm, I'm just, I'm putting it out there, boys. Simon Goodwin is the worst top eight coach. He's worse than Ken, I think, out of this oh. final series. Oh. By a long, long margin. Um, oh. the, he, he can't adapt. He built a, a solid forward line for about three weeks and decided to play change it up. Yes, fair enough. Petty got injured. And you can't do much about that, but um, I, but I think, think the fact, but I think no the fact is, Cat, but the th- the fact is, Cat, and and I'll ask for your thought as well, Miller. The fact that they've had to swing a player like Harry Petty from back to mm. forward just really stems, just really just screams out the whole issue about their forward line is that they have no one that that is coming through other than Van Royen and Jefferson, who's not yet ready. Yeah, they they're focused. They're, they're putting their bets on a key on a key position defender, and I, and I think as well if you're thinking that Melsham and Petty are going to change the, any sort of if that's the solution, then there's issues there. Not saying they're bad players, but it's going to take more than that to get this thing functioning. And, and you summed it up nicely, Cat. Look, I, I think that Goodwin out of the top four coaches, if not top eight, lacks um, tactical nous. I think that yeah. he's very much this is what we're doing. We're doing this, and we're not changing it. And when he did change it, it was far too late in the season. I think the first seven rounds they were scoring well and then he could see, identify that there's going to be an issue forward of the ball and he's gone to change those magnets too late in the season and it's cost them because it was way too late to be tinkering with all that stuff. Yes, the injuries added up, but just the – and the confidence. I couldn't see it. I mean, you look at Melbourne groups previous. Think about the year they won the flag. They were just in a sort of an energy and a mindset where we can beat anyone, we will beat mm. everyone, 
So now it's like, oh, yeah, we'll go in straight sets again. What the hell's going on? Well, this is the thing as well, Kat, is that, you know, 2021, we all saw the way that they played football. They played inspired football. They all believed in one yeah. another. They, they they ran for each other. They used the ball well. You know, they did they did so much gut running that year. You, you fast forward at two years and this team just does not work for each other. They don't do a lot of, you know, it's, it's just a lot of really safe football mechanics yeah. that they put into the game and, that's what's costing them another another shot at glory, and, and I'm saying it again: they're going to be a one-hit wonder unless it all changes again. And and we're seeing Goodwin waste away what is what is really a dynasty list here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, we said it, they can't do much about the injuries that they had, and there's key guys out of this team, of course. Miller, you are right. Melch and Petty aren't fixing this forward line by themselves. There's a lot more issues to worry about mm. um, than just them, but. Um, I think I think a full strength Melbourne team next year um, has to be aiming for for at least a prelim Miller. That they can do it. We know they can. Goody's got a whole off season now to sort out this forward line. If he doesn't, he's a hack, and he should go if they don't at least make a prelim next year. Um, I think he's more on the chopping block than Hinkley is if, if they if they fail to to make an impact in finals next year because two years back to back straight sets. They're getting closer to wasting, like you said, Doc, wasting the potential of this list. Um, there is a lot of young pieces, but the key pieces just keep getting older. May's getting older, Gorn's getting older. Um, Petrarca and Oliver, if you don't start doing something quick, you'll realise they, they're coming out of their prime in a few years and uh, suddenly the list is turning over and it's a different team. they got to well, do something. They can win another flag with this group, but I don't know if Goodwin's going to deliver it. 100% agree, Kat. Oh, I think that they can do it. They've got the talent. Particularly, they've got probably the best Ruckman, if not top five in the comp. And when you look at Petrarca, Oliver, and Gorn as well, boys, those three players are top ten in the comp. So you've got three of them in the same team. So you have to be getting more done than that. And I think there's lots of results, to, well, lots of factors, sorry, to what played into this result. But I think um, very similar situation in a few respects, as you mentioned, Cat to the Dogs. You look at some of their star players and movers and Doc's all too familiar with them, unfortunately, that it's been wasted a bit. So they've got some work to do, as you said, over the offseason. It can be done, but Goodwin's going to have to buckle down, I think, and, and get Melbourne back on track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on, gentlemen. Plenty to talk about still in this episode, but let's talk votes out of the game. Finals, oh, yes. fellas, uh, makes a return <laughs> for the semi-finals. We had some good discussion off air with these votes, oh. boys, and we somehow managed to come to a consensus uh, with the, the the one, two, three. But um, I'll throw it over to you first, Millers of losing the D's. The one vote you wanted to get this man. Uh, higher up, but we just couldn't just find, so he takes out the one for the Blues. I was going to say stiff. I was abused. <laughs> Very stiff, abused and insulted, but I wasn't. Um, it was a great discussion. <laughs> um, I loved the game this young man played, and it was Tom DeCone. He kicked two goals, had 15 disposals um, to go on with four marks, eight hit-outs, three tackles, and probably the best game I've seen him play, boys. Really good, complete performance. Um, that's a game for me that's worth a million dollars. Yeah. I will go out and say it. I think if he's able to do that on the big stage, Pitner competed well against Gorn, but I thought um, when required, the Conan did a really good job and definitely was deserving of one vote. I was really impressed with his game. 
Yeah, absolutely. He was unreal to Kong, especially first half. He set them up so, so well. Um, two votes we've gone with Nick Newman. I mentioned him before we were talking a bit about actually giving him <laughs> an opponent to worry about. Dave didn't feel like doing that. Um, 30 touches, 11 marks for him. He was absolutely unreal out of the defensive half. Nine intercept possessions going 67% disposal efficiency. Five score involvements as well. So he was clearly getting involved in those chain links going up the ground. Six rebound 50s, three inside 50s. Um, just a, a super important and underrated piece of this back line. I know there were a few Carlton supporters that were calling for him to be All-Australian. Uh, Doc, I think he would have been close to the squad, to be honest. I think he could have been in there. Yeah, oh, look, I think he should have at least made the squad. Um, whether or not he deserves to be in the 22 is a different different <laughs> kettle of fish. I mean, geez, you're not chucking out Sicily or, or Sinclair in that team, are we? No, no, you're not. Um, the three votes, though, Doc, was pretty obvious, I think. Yeah, well, we asked for this guy to lift last week, and uh, lo and behold... He's uh, not only is he lifted, he's he's literally just powered this team through to a prelim for the first time in God knows how long. But Sam Walsh, uh, boys, our three votes, 34 disposals, kicked a couple of snags, 618 metres gained, 11 contested possessions, eight tackles, 43 pressure acts. That's an unprecedented unprecedented number of pressure acts, um, along with six marks as well. He was just a phenomenal force in that midfield and almost helped set the... uh, Set the scene for the Blues in a sense. Unbloody believable. His uh, his goal, um, that celebration up to the crowd, he, unreal. Just the, the swagger to do that in a final, a must-win final with the game on the line. Uh, Sammy Walsh is he's something else, and that was a breakout performance. I'll just say before all the Blues fans start to complain, um, <laughs> yes, I know Blake Akers is stiff. The man <laughs> has not gotten a single vote across either game, Miller. Oh, no. He was very close in the last one. He's very close in this one. Um, the man gets some sort of consolation prize at the end of this final series, surely. He's been robbed of a few votes here. Yeah, he has been. He has been hugely robbed. I must say we, we did throw a bit of rice, but he's still a gun. We love Blake Akers. I mean, we've talked him up probably more during the year than any other Carlton supporter in existence. So, uh, look, he was very good, but very close. Not close enough. Very, very close. Um, for the Giants and Port game, boys, I'll kick us off with the one vote here. Jack Buckley, we've given the one to this guy, and his improvement across this year has just been absolutely incredible. Oh. Um, Sam Taylor out at the start of the year, he said, oh, don't worry about it, hold my beer, I'll take the number one uh, key forward every single week until you're good to go, Sammy. Um, and he bloody did. 18 touches, six marks in this game, going at 83% disposal efficiency, 10 intercept possessions, four rebound 50s. Uh, he's just been a pleasure to watch this year, Doc, and to see him stand up like this in a, in a final, a final away from home, amazing. The guy's a, he's a legend. I love him. <laughs> he's a legend yeah, already. I, yeah. oh, I think we, we claimed him uh, when he started playing a few years ago, Miller. He was playing forward and then he did his knee, missed a, missed a year of footy, and then uh, he's come back and King said, uh, Bucks, we're going we're gonna to throw you in the, into the lion's set at full back and... And geez, hasn't he taken it on with a plum? Just uh, as well, quick stat here: um, seven contested one-on-ones he had uh, on Saturday night, Jack Buckley, and lost oh, only one. There it is. He's a there it burger, is. that guy. We love him. We love Buckley. Uh, <laughs> Doc, two votes has gone to a man who missed last week, but he came back in and absolutely tore it up. Yeah, well, he was one of the few that got the Giants running in that in that second term. Uh, it goes to Stephen Cornelio Cogsy. 
he's he's come back he's come back with a vengeance here. Um, a couple of years ago, we sort of had him out to uh, out to pasture. He was ready to be shot, Alex Miller. Um, but uh, he's come back. He's, he's come back into this team. And he's just been completely dominant. Uh, 30 disposals, 13 contested possessions, um, you know, 20 kicks at 45% kicking efficiency. We're not going to worry too much about that. But the seven clearances, the five intercept possessions, the eight ground ball gets, the 15 pressure acts, uh, four marks, two goals, one. His time between half, uh, half forward and midfield, uh, Miller, has been just absolutely phenomenal. I think that he's been elite with his hybrid work, Doc, as you said. He's playing great percentages on both. Adam Kingsley really has got the best out of him. Um, sorry, Leon Cameron. Uh, I've been really impressed with what Kingsley's done for him and great to see him get revenge on the football boys after hitting him in the ice. He kicked the shit out of it and kicked, uh, kicked a, a few pair of beautiful goals and had 20 kicks of the footy itself to take that. So very impressive game from him. Absolutely. 13 score involvements as well, boys. Is that all? 13! <laughs> Is that all? Bloody hell. Uh, Miller, three votes. Could have only really been one man in this game, I think. It was one man who's had an elite season, Cat. He's probably played the best footy of his career, and it's Jesse Hogan. Was really outstanding this game. Had We thought that we were going to see the defensive sort of forward on Alir Alir. Uh, we thought Riccardi, all of us agreed, but Hogan was one-on-one with him a lot and did a really good job, Jesse Hogan. Four goals, four. Missed a couple of sitters. Should have had at least six or seven, but played really well. 17 disposals, nine marks is the most important thing, I think, with Hogan. Probably marking the ball the best I've ever seen him in his career. And I think that what he's done in terms of his work rate, he seems to really have a lot more in the tank and a lot more going for him. Um, also had 10 scoring moments as well, Jesse Hogan, which is fantastic. So... Really good game from him. Been competing at the highest level all year, boys, and uh, a great shout from us for three votes. We love him. Absolutely unreal. Uh, we'll get the finals, fellas, leaderboard up as of the prelim finals next week. So uh, stay tuned if you want to hear that. I'm hoping someone gets some bonus votes. I think we've, we've had uh, different players get votes in every game. Yep. Uh, so far, so no one's doubled up, so it'll be a, a bloody tie at the top <laughs> at the moment. Uh, so look forward to seeing if someone can uh, come through again next yeah, week seven way tie unless uh someone in the grand final gets uh gets a one voter i think that's how it's going to finish <laughs> come on someone lift doc before we move on to the previews we've got some huge news coming out regarding the new coach of the tigers yes miller uh, i hope you like oh. this uh but adam uze has been named as the coach of the richmond football uh, club. This excellent. Is just, come, just come through in the last half an hour and i must say as well thoroughly deserved because I think he was very, very close to getting the GWS job last year before being pipped by Kingers. But um, fantastic appointment, I think. Uh, rest in peace, mini ball. You will be forgotten <laughs> to a degree. Uh, but <laughs> but a, a very great pickup uh, because Uze has had a lot of a lot of time under Alistair Clarkson, who we know has been a, a great coach, uh, has spent time with the Ds as a midfield coach, uh, particularly in that premiership year a couple of years ago. So this is a really good appointment as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I'm chuffed with this. I am very happy with this. Um, sad to see mini ball, as you said, deflated with the uh, <laughs> spike to the ball. Um, but look, I'm excited. I, I love Adam Uze. As you said, Doc, really close to getting the job at the Giants and very excited to watch to come from him. Very keen. Very keen. Going to be an interesting era at Targaland now, moving into the future. 
Uh, life without dimmers really going to be kicking in uh, come the start of next year. But <laughs> uh, let's uh, move on hope, to hope, the... hope Jacob Kaczynski can uh, kick a couple of snags under him next year, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you better do something, Cosy, bloody hell. Uh, let's move on to the main event, gentlemen. The previews of the prelim finals. I was going to say semi-finals. No, we've already done that one. Um, <laughs> two huge monster matchups here, and the teams are out for both teams. Nick Dacos coming in for Taylor Adams, boys for the Pies, and unchanged for the Giants. Very, very juicy, Miller. I don't mind it. It's a bit of a statement, I reckon, for the Giants. Yeah, I like it. Cat backing these boys in and backing the work that they've done all finals um, series. And I've really liked this group. I mean, I, I've really liked the roles. We talked a lot about the role players last week. We talked about Iden, Keith Perryman, Callum Brown, Daniel Lloyd, Bedford, Daniels. All these guys have been elite and playing the best football, which has been great. And on the other side of the coin, Doc, it's great to see Hollywood back and um, sad to see Taylor Adams out. I mean, he's had a really good strong final series and really important cog for mine. But Lipinski can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that his spot is safe for now. Yeah, geez, he, he wasn't he wasn't too flash in the qualifying final, wasn't he, uh, Lipinski? Yeah. He um, can she, consider himself very lucky, Lipon, very, very lucky. Very, very lucky. I mean, John Noble's still in the emergencies and, and same with Guinea. Guinea was all right. I, Guinea I thought, will be the sub again, surely, boys. That has to be for mine. Uh, I think this this guy is almost tailor-made in respect, which I don't want to, be, I don't want to sound disrespectful because he's a good player, but... He comes in and he almost makes an impact straight away with his enthusiasm towards the game, his energy that he brings in the forward half. He's almost a perfect sub for mine. Yeah. The only thing I can think about with with Lipper possibly, Miller, is we might see a defensive forward role on someone like Whitfield, who's Mm -hmm. been left to run free for the past two games. And it's clear he's generating so much of that ball coming out of the Giants' backline. I could see him putting on that kind of role. He's good with his pressure, Lipinski, so... Um, could lock him down nicely. You never know. I like that cat. And while we're on the matchups, what are some other ones you look forward to? Oh, well, Dacos has got to be the big one, doesn't it, Doc? Yeah. Uh, Flyers keeping um, King is guessing, putting him on the bench. Uh, is he going to go to the midfield? Is he going to start <laughs> on the half back line? Uh, we don't know. I'd say he'd probably go into the midfield rotations pretty quick, smart, um, with how he's been played the most of this season. But geez, that is going to be a big matchup, whoever he goes to. I think what we're going to see, Cat, is we're going to see him start halfback, uh, ease himself into the game a little bit, and then when the chips are down and everything needs to go, he's going to go right to that midfield because we know that he's a he's a game changer in that midfield, Miller. Oh, I think so. And I mentioned in the chat as well, if he is to start off at halfback, I'd like to see Daniel Lloyd try and be physical with him, who's actually had a really impressive final series, I must say, towards um, the back end of his career. It's <laughs> nice to say a positive thing about him. Way out. Such a shame we're saying this in potentially the last game of his career, Miller. <laughs> potentially, potentially. I mean, that's a beautiful, intriguing matchup, as you said. You I think as well the Ruck, the Ruck Dogs, cat. This is what really excites me. Kieran Briggs. I said it at round 10. If the All-Australian team was over just those two, 14 weeks, he would have been in there for sure. But Cameron's battled a bit recently. Cox has been all right. But the Giants, I think they've got a bit of an edge there. Yeah, it's it's interesting with Briggsy, Doc. We saw him in the, the second half on the weekend, um, struggling a little bit with his shoulder. He has been cleared to play, so I'm assuming that means he's all good. But... Um, they've got this tandem duo of Cox and, uh, and Cameron can really, I think, um, bash him up, make life hard for him. Briggsy's advantage has been his physicality so much. 
he loves uh, pulling the ruckman off the off the ball and not even letting them compete. So if he's a little, even the littlest bit hampered, I could see this swinging Collingwood's way in the ruck this week. Yeah, that's going to be a really telling point of the game, isn't it? Because we know that Briggsy's going to come in with a sore shoulder. Um, I don't know if he'll be a hundred percent, but you know, if they if they give him the all clear, then you assume he is. But time will tell. I mean, geez, we just rubbish port for about ten minutes about serving in underdone players. Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, that, that's, that's going to be a really interesting contest. We saw Cox do a really good job on Max Gorn in that first half a couple of weeks mm. ago. Um, how that how that happens in this one will be interesting. I want to see Briggs try and push Coxie a little bit more across the ground and try and be more of a presence around general play, which we know Briggs is a good, has done a good job of that anyway. So I don't expect much will change in that respect. Um, who gets the job on Green, on Toby Green? <sighs> it's got to be Maynard. It's got yeah, to be Maynard, come on. Is. I don't know if you boys saw that um, that stat that uh, the, the AFL put out during the week of the opponents, Pies versus Toby Green. It's been Maynard, and he's given up one goal in about two-odd hours playing on him over the past couple of years. So Jeez, I think you'd have to back him in to, to lock him down. Um, leave someone like Quain or to go to, to Snooze or possibly Binger, uh, depending on how they're, how they're playing, we know Snooze loves to get up the ground a bit, so maybe Quainel sticks back in the fifty with with Daniel. So yeah, that's I, an interesting matchup too. How those two go? I, they've been so important to generating the Giants' forward fifty entries, Doc. Yeah, I think Quain. I think Quainel would be a good matchup for uh, Toby Green. But as you said, Maynard's got quite a good history against Toby, so I wouldn't be surprised to see either or Quainel on Stormy Daniels is a good matchup too. I think that's <laughs> that's going to be a, a cra- that'll be cracking because as we said, as I've said. Last couple of weeks, Miller, here's Mr. September, Brent Daniels. He will turn up. You get you shut him out of the game. He kicked one goal three on the weekend at support. So if he'd kicked straighter, he would have you know, he would have helped uh, finish finish off Ken Inkley and the uh, and the power chaps at half time. But that that'll be an interesting matchup. I'd like to see how the wings go go against uh, each other. We know Finn Callahan's yeah. had a really strong year. Josh Kelly's been in good touch the last couple of weeks. Against Steel Sidebottom, against Josh Dacos, who have been probably the one of the better wing pairings this year. That'll be a, that'll be a thrilling matchup. All of them great offensive juggernauts. All four of those wingers really good at, at getting forward and attacking for their teams. I think as well another one that excites me, boys, is um, Tom Matt, uh, Tom Mitchell and um, Tom Green. I mean, you've got <laughs> Tom Green um, emerged as one of, if not a top three contested player in the comp, and Tom Mitchell, cat, he's been doing it since uh, Tom Green started his career. He, he's been the a, a sort of creator of that. It's going to be great to see them both going head to head. I think it's interesting, Doc. Adams has been a bit of a, a talk with Pies fans. It's starting to become a little bit of a whipping boy, but I feel like he still adds something contested ball wise, and I think a lot of this falls to Mitchell now in this game, and I see that being an advantage for the Giants. We know Green Green's great in and under. Cal Ward's been unbelievable, um, considering uh, he's clearly on the, the wrong end of his career at this point in terms of age. But um, guys like Callahan can rotate through. Kelly and Cogs aren't afraid to get in there as well. I really think that they have got the opportunity to not only win contested possession, but do more with it. They're so good at creating out of the back half the Giants, but I feel like they can uh, create scores out of clearances in this game because I think they just have the tiniest, tiniest upper hand. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how they go. I think both sides are really, really good at sort of getting the ball off transition and creating a scoring opportunity as well. So getting them off the clearance will be important. But I also think as well that Adams injury really sort of starts to open it up a little bit more and give 
Tom Mitchell extra midfield minutes, might give Jack Crisp extra midfield minutes as well, which we know when he's thrust it into the guts, he can really make something work with his just sheer grunt and his want to move the ball forward and gain meterage. So there's that. I mean, this would be a tough game. I cannot. This is this this sold out pretty quickly as well, particularly in the members where you know Alex Miller tried to get everybody in and uh, he, he he was shut out, but somehow Cat slithered his way in. I did, I did. I'm very very happy that I'm going to be going to this. Um, this is my you my snake. first. <laughs> Sorry, boys. Uh, my first prelim. So very very keen oh, for that. Very excited, Cat. Um, I think the only uh, the only uh, final that I haven't been to now would be a, a semi final. I've been to a granny, been to a prelim, been to the, the qualifying, the elimination, but um, just missing the semi. Weirdly enough, so. you, you you'll be in for a treat, Cat. I, I, I was I was there at the MCG about four years ago when these two teams played, and it was just an absolute. It was thrilling. I, I was on the edge of my seat for that last the entire last quarter because I was I was cheering on for the GWS Giants to lose because I hated them for quite a long time after they roughed up the dogs the first week. But, geez, you just walked out of that game that day and I just thought that, that was just an incredible game. I just almost sort of a game game of the game of the year stakes feel to it. Absolutely. I think this could be a repeat of that. Um, and while we're just on that, just before we get to the tips, Miller, um, Darcy Moore and Nathan Murphy on yes, Hogan and Riccardi. <laughs> These two guys are in some serious form right now. Um, obviously, you've got to you've got to play like that. Moore's got to go to Hogan. There's no. I don't think you can you can even think about putting Murphy on no. him. Um, and Murphy probably the more agile of the two. Riccardi we've seen leading up um, out of centre half forward, getting those marks down the ground. Hogan likes to stay deeper. Yep. Um, that's going to be the play. How in there makes it a bit interesting. I think that the Giants don't quite have that same height. Um, we know that Brown will rotate through, but Howe's got a few centimeters on him. Um, as well, so I think they can have they'll they'll have the aerial advantage. But once Hogan gets going, um, he's been that bloody hard to stop the tail end of this year. He's been elite. That's why we got the three votes from us and a great share. I'm intrigued about the other end as well, boys. Um, you know, Taylor and in particular Jack Buckley. We spoke about who do they go to? Doc, do you send Taylor to Myacek and then Buckley to McStay? You'd think. Um. I think for I think well first of all I think Murphy goes to Hogan. Um, oh, wow. if Hogan plays deep. I think Murphy likes to take the biggest forwards every week, so I like to see that. You put more on on Riccardi. Riccardi leads the ball, and more will sort of peel off him and and be that extra man to help put them forward. So I, I'm I'm a big fan of that matchup. Um, in terms of the other end, I think I think Taylor goes to McStay. Um, you sort of because we see McStay sort of lead up lead up around the ground. And and Taylor can sort of hang back and be the spare and and sort of he's a good intercept marker too Taylor yep. so I wouldn't mind seeing that matchup and that leaves uh, that leaves uh, what's his name Buckley on my check <laughs> what's his name the man <laughs> yeah, oh, Buckley on my check yeah, him. very very juicy matchups in there boys I I can't wait to see how they all play out um, it's going to be a, a bloody huge game tomorrow night and that came for it with that said tips boys. How are oh. we going here? Sudden death. Extra it is time. Sudden death. Sudden death. Oh, extra, extra time. Golden goal, he said. Sudden death, extra time, Miller. Uh, GWS by three points. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to say the Pies by 11. Is... I think. I just think the Pies will do it. I as... know the Giants have all the momentum, Doc, but the too good. Um, as much as I don't want to say it, I feel like this game has the 2016 prelim vibe all over it. 
If I see that, if I see that in person, uh, that's it. We won. If I see one that, football. if I see that, we uh, have one football, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, um. I'm going to go pies by nine points. This is going to be a really exciting game. Oh, Doc, you know, going to the Giants. I like it, Doc. I like it. Go against the grain, mate. We I'm, love it. My partner might kill me if she hears that. So <laughs> pray, pray for me when I get out of the office. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, let's move on to the second prelim. Saturday twilight. Not quite night, uh, Miller, but Brisbane and Carlton at the Gabba. 5.15 p.m., Miller. So we've just got out of happy hour and uh, – we're about to stagger. <laughs> you'd, hope, you'd hope we're right in the midst still of happy hour. If anyone's ending their bloody happy hour before five o'clock, they're rotten. <laughs> Just tell my old local pub that, cat. <laughs> rotten. Um, this, this is a great game um, in terms of the, the, the matchups here, cat. But the team news is very interesting. Mm. Mm. Well, um, some big changes for, for both sides here. The Lions, just the one, but. Jack Payne going out. We heard a bit about this during the week. Um, and Darcy Gardner is going to be coming in on the other side. Carlton in, Harry Mackay, Jack Martin, and Jordan Boyd. An interesting one. Kemp out, Cunningham out, Jeez. Kennedy out, and Owies out. I assume one of those guys will be the sub. But I don't, I don't like Kemp, uh, Kemp and Owies out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about messing with the, the back line, Miller. That's my one of my big ones here. I think Kemp's been pretty solid um, basically across his, his whole time um, in this defensive group. So I don't know about Boyd coming back. It's a very, very weird one. Uh, very strange. Yeah, oh, look, I think Kemp's a little bit stiff. I think his form sort of dipped a little bit last few weeks, but... Yeah, still all the same. You don't want to you don't muck around the lineup too much. But, but Jordan Boyd... Doc, he's given up a lot of centimetres against a very tall Brisbane forward line. Yeah, and so, so that that means they're going to have to put their faith in Weedering McGovern and Marchbank, who has been solid. Um, I wouldn't. <laughs> That's a nice word for it. Yeah, look, I mean, he does. He's done. He's done a job, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> what <yeah>. job? <laughs> <laughs> what job? All of you. All of you. Um, yeah, that's that'll be interesting. So I suppose we we'll crack it down here with the forward line. I mean, obviously Joe's in good form. With the five mm. with the five bagger a couple of weeks ago against Port, um, Hipwood's been in good touch. You know, Rainer's unstoppable uh, when he's when he's on form. Bailey's good for a couple of goals a game as well. Who goes to who goes where? Jeez, oh, there's a lot I of mean, pieces flying yeah. around in there. Weedering's got to be on Danaher, surely you would think. As um, long as he's not still concussed, cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never know. Um, not a lot going on between those ears. It looks like sometimes. <laughs> Um, Hipwood's the interesting one because I don't, I don't know, I don't know who the real second tall is in the well, Carlton backline right now. Why have they brought taken out Kemp? Cat. Yeah, I don't, don't understand it. it. I don't. I guess maybe they they feel like they don't need um a player of Kemp's sort of size against this group because I guess you have McGovern in there. I, I assume would be going to, yeah. uh, would be going to. And Marchbanks on the taller side as well. He'll probably play as the the floating sort of third, um, and I can see the, the the reason why, but I just don't think you mess with a guy who's in good form to take him out for a player who's uh, how long? Boyd's been out for a few weeks now, hasn't he? Yeah, 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 he's been suspended for three, yeah, but three. He um he just hasn't played anyway. Um, look in terms of the matchup stock, I'll tell you what I, I'm doing. I'm sending Marchbank to probably Hipwood. 
as Wiedering, as we all said to Danaher. I think that the interesting ones, I reckon we'll see Calamachi play a role on Saad or Newman in a sort of reverse role. Yep. Chincotta, does he go to Rayner, do we reckon? Um, I, th- I think I think Rayner will probably be too strong for him if, if, if they catch him out in a one-on-one. McGovern? Maybe McGovern. I feel I like... any McGovern's height for, for Hipwood, though. It's yeah. a hard matchup. For it's hard matchup. I, I feel like they don't have a, a guy that's very much suited to... Urena type, no, really. Is that what you reckon? That's probably what Boyd's there for. Maybe a specialist, specialist role. He's coming. He's the, the, the assassin in the back line. There, he's coming on a, on a contract. It's very interesting. Uh, I mean, one thing that Carlton have been doing really well is moving the ball with such fluidity and attack. And I know it's Brisbane up at the Gabba boys, but this unit, Carlton, have got a lot of belief, a lot of faith. Going to have a decent contingency of fans up there as well supporting them. I, I like it. Speak, speak about faith, Miller. Um, Ollie Holland staying in this team on the wing. Uh, that that's faith. If I haven't bloody seen it, I mean, he won them the game, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if he he's the one who took the game on and kicked it to Sam Doherty, and he could. It was a, a split second there for Judd McVeigh. You either damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Um, he had to pull the trigger in that kick, Holland's, and that's what won him the game. Um, so I'm I'm glad he's in that. I'm glad he's still there. That midfield battle, though, you know, you got Cripps, you got Cherry, you got Walsh, you got Hewitt that'll float through there as well. Doherty probably throws in there as well against McCluggage, Dunkley, Zorko goes in there. Lockie Neal, Jared Berry, Dev Robertson, Fletcher probably goes in there as well. Mm. Right. <laughs> There's got some rotations. Bloody hell! Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, I, I do worry about this um, Brisbane backline, though, boys. It's been a little bit unsettled, I think, the past couple of weeks now. And Payne going out, Lester's been, um, you know, serviceable. Kitty He's Tom's actually been, been quite good, Lester. I can't he, has, believe- he has. He has. I'll give him his credit, Doc. Uh, I wanted to talk shit about him, but he has, he has been pretty serviceable. We, we, we've, t- we've been. Well, look. Let's be fair, Cat. We've been talking shit about him for about five years, so <laughs> this is probably the only good air he gets. Yeah, look, I won't say it wasn't entirely undeserved, but um, Darcy Gardner coming into this team, uh, Miller, and having to play a role um, probably on Harry Mackay, who, you know, he's he's been out, but uh, was it missed the, the semi-final. But um, Gardner hasn't played since round 13, and he's coming in against a, a former common medalist um, in this game. So it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot to put on this guy's shoulders. Uh, we know Darcy's experience. He's an experienced player, but... Jeez, it's it's going to be interesting. Harry, Harry Mackay's underrated cat still. Oh, I'm disgusted by the comments saying that he's not – Carlton don't need him. He's very important. He's link-up play. He's marking up the ground. I know he can't kick a goal to save the poor um, cat in the tree's life if it fell out of there, but he has still been good. I've liked his player. I've liked his effort and intensity. He's trying every week and very good to be doing that considering – most players will be dropping their head with the sort of flack he's getting. Duck Gardner, yeah, look, hasn't played in a while. I actually can't remember the last time I saw him. Sorry, yeah, it's, 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 it's over three months ago. I over believe, three months ago. That that will be interesting. Are, are I, I think yeah. this is Maybe exciting, the young ago. players as well, boys. I mean, Darcy Wilmot's been built for finals. Jasper Fletcher's coming of age really well. Um, Devin Romson, a few young boys on the line side. And then, you know, uh, for the Blues, some guys that are just starting you know, their first finals opportunities have been Motlop's been good, seized, seized his moments last year. 
uh, last week. Sorry, not last year. God, they weren't even in the finals. Um, Jordan Boyd will be his first final as well. Cottrell's been great in the finals also in Holland's stock. So all these great young guys have been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll be it'll come down to these sort of players as well. We know Cottrell had a really great uh, qualify uh, elimination final against Sydney. We know Motlop's been quite a good a good player this final series. And the fact is as well, you know, guys like Ollie Hollands who's coming in his first year, he's come in, he's done the job, and he's done the job really, really well as well. So I really want to see uh, these guys step up again. I know it's it, it, it's backs against the wall stuff here for for Carlton because as we've said. Uh, many times over the course of the year and, of, co- of course, the years. Gab is yep. a fortress. Well, that's the thing. They've been really strong in defence all year and just oh, I think it's a bit concerning if you're Carlton because you don't want to be playing them up in Brisbane at this time of the year. I mean, they've been in great form at the back end of the season, so it's just a matter of if they can keep it together and going from there. But Who's the, yeah, bit- who's the sub for Carlton? Who will be the sub? <sighs> Because you've got Cunningham, Camp, Kennedy, and Oes, all of them dropped, and all of them have been sort of, you know, pretty fair. They've done their roles. I think Cunningham and Kemp probably the stiffest, and Oes, I guess, all of them pretty much stiff to be honest. But who 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 goes in as the sub? Um, maybe Kennedy, just because I think that he's a cog that can play anywhere. Um, he could go to the mid, as we know. Could pl- he played half back for some reason, which was a bit weird um, <laughs> in general. But also can play forward as well if required. So I wouldn't mind Kennedy. Oh, he's actually been good. Surprised he's dropped, but it's just these other small forwards have been playing their roles. Doc like Fogarty and Motlop have been great. But same on Brisbane's side. I, I mean, we've talked about Zach Bailey, but Charlie Cameron's impact this season, particularly in finals, has been very, very good. I think. Yeah, he has. He's been such a crucial piece of this Lions forward line as he is every single year. Charlie is as Charlie does, to borrow a phrase from um, Doc there. But they just, they do. They've got so many dangerous pieces of this forward line. We touched on Reno already. Doc, you said it off the top of this this group that um, you can't you can't stop them all because if you try and stop one, then another one's going to get off the hook. So um, it's a tough, tough matchup. And Brisbane is in such a high-scoring team, especially at home. Um, but Carlson's backline, uh, if there's anyone that can do it, you know, they've been one of the stingiest all season, Miller. I, sure. I really, I, I don't know if they can lock them all down, like I said, but they've got a bloody try. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a matter of if Carlton's team defence can hold up, if the wingers can do what they've done, Cat in Cottrell and Acres. I mean, they've been elite. I think they've yeah. been the hardest working and the best wingers so far in the final series, both these guys. they The running they do offensive and defensively, we all got to see it, as we said last week, firsthand against the Swans. And they, it's a massive matchup. I think that's the one area that Carlton do have a little bit of advantage is on the outside with those two. Yeah, I agree. And um, those, those guys have been so important. And Acres, like we said before, Doc, been so stiff to not be in our votes, but. I'd say he's been close to Carlton's most important player this final series. Yeah, absolutely. And it almost goes back to what we said in the in the trade episode, you know, last year about Acres going from Freo to Carlton for what's a very what was a very, very cheap deal. You know, I think they've got a future <laughs> third a fu- future <laughs> a future third in that. So he's almost been probably one of the bit best recruits in terms of value this year, Acres. So yeah, and no, a very good shout. I'm really looking forward to that matchup. You know, him on the wing against Human Cluggage, you'd probably suspect he gets he gets a lot of minutes on the wing and, and probably about 
50-50 between wing and, and pure midfield. So yep. that'll be that'll be cracking stuff. Absolutely. Shall we give our tips for this game, oh. boys, to close out this show? This Jeez. this one, I, I know the Giants are the form team, but something about this Carlson team to me oh, feels no. like they might be the one. That oh, no, Cat. I'm not to be them. I'm not to be them. <laughs> I'm going to say the Lions. Just set the scene. Lions by, I'll say Lions by 16, but I feel like this will be a game that will be right in the balance until the last Three four minutes of the game. It's not. It's not. The, it's not the first time Cats tried to set the scene and then just completely gone the other <laughs> way this year. Uh, I backed it. I backed down very quickly here, John. I'm not trying to look like an idiot. I think it can go one or two ways. I think it will. I I think, and I hope it will be a really close game, um, or it could be an El Pumpico. Um, I think Brisbane by twenty one points. As admirable, as admirable as Carlton have been this year, and they've been very good. You know, I tip my hat off to them. Uh, the supporters have come out in the droves, and it's gonna, I half suspect there'll be a, a fair few Carlton supporters that are rallying around this game up in Queensland as well. You can't back against winning form, uh, particularly against, particularly at the Gabba. Um, and I think Brisbane will completely pump them. I think they're gonna they're gonna win by forty points. Get themselves into a grand final. They are going to do it. I, I don't think I've never seen. I, I haven't seen this Brisbane team deliver such emphatic performances in a final the way that I did a couple of weeks ago against Paul. I like that. That's true. No, very true. We did say that um, last week as well. I, I backed that, Doc. All right. Well, the tips are in. Um, we've got everything, I think, out of the way we need to say bloody hell. I'm that keen for these prelims, gentlemen. Uh, the G is going to be pumping tomorrow night, and I'm sure the Gabba will be the same. Uh, I'm re- very, very curious to see how many Carlton supporters actually get up there because it seems like they've got a bit of a drove going up there. <laughs> um, so it's going to be an interesting crowd up there at the Gabba great. for sure. Uh, make sure you follow us across all of our socials so you know when new episodes come out on the A3 Footy Podcast, A3 Footy Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, at A3 Footy on Twitter. And, of course, we've got our email as well, a3footy at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to us once again this week. Next week, oh, boy, the grand final preview is coming up. We'll be talking Brownlow as well, of course. We love our Brownlow episodes here at A3. All your oh, favourite segments for the team. <laughs> Best on the piss, Doc's best and worst dress. We love all that nonsense here at A3. But with all that said, and until next week, with a huge brown so huge grand final preview, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And I've been Alex Stockerty. Stick with us. The end of the men's season is just around the corner. The new premiere is going to be crowned very bloody soon. We cannot wait. Go the Gabba. Go Cooper Hamilton. Come on, Adam Uze, get us a flag. (laughs) 